There is an unseen hand to me that leads Welcome to the Unseen Hand Podcast, featuring the pulpit ministry of missionary evangelist Ronnie Brown. Listen in as Brother Ronnie shares the truth of the Bible and how God's unseen hand can lead and guide your life with each and every verse. This hand still leads me as I go. On Sunday night for several weeks now, we've been going through the tabernacle and looking at very different portions of the tabernacle that... uh, that Moses created out there in the wilderness. We've been primarily looking at the tabernacle, not the temple. The temple was a fixed permanent dwelling in Jerusalem. The tabernacle was that moving worship center, you could call it, that moving facility that they used out in the wilderness as they went on their journey to the promised land. Well, let's all stand in honor and reverence to God's word. Exodus chapter number 26 And look at verse number 15. Exodus 26 and verse number 15. And thou shalt make boards for the tabernacle of Shittim wood standing up. Ten cubits shall be the length of the board, and a cubit and a half shall be the breadth of one board. Two tenures shall thou be in one board set in order one against another. Thus shalt they make for uh, all of the boards of the tabernacle. And thou shalt make the boards of the tabernacle twenty boards on the south side southward. And thou shalt make forty sockets of silver under the twenty boards, two sockets under one board for his two tenions, and two sockets under another board for his two tenions. And for the second side of the tabernacle on the north side there shall be twenty boards. There are forty sockets of silver, two sockets under one board, and two sockets under another board. And for the sides of the tabernacle westward thou shalt make six boards. Two boards shalt thou make under the corners of the tabernacle in the two sides. And they shall be coupled together beneath, and they shall be coupled together above the head head of it unto one ring. And thou shalt... Uh, thus shall it be for them both, and they shall be for the two corners. And they shall be eight boards uh, and their sockets of silver, sixteen sockets, two sockets under one board, and two sockets under another board. And thou shalt make bars of shittim wood, five uh, for the boards of the one side of the tabernacle, and and five bars of uh, uh, for the boards of the other side of the tabernacle, five bars five bars for the boards on the side of the tabernacle for the two sides westward. And the middle bar in the midst of the boards shall reach from end to end. And thou shalt overlay the boards with gold and make their rings of gold for places for the bars. And thou shalt overlay the bars with gold. And thou shalt rear up the tabernacle according to the fashion thereof which was showed thee in the mount. You can be seated. I will do my best to try to give you a depiction of what's going on here. And every detail I will not I will not cover, but a majority of it to give you an idea of this framework. We're going to touch on that tonight. I think I laid out a picture, a depiction, 
Bill asked me if I did that drawing. I did not. I copied that out of a book. If I'd have done it, I'd have done it in 3D. Amen. And done it in the CAD model and made it all nice and pretty, but I didn't have time for that, so I copied the guy's drawing out of the book. But that should give you an idea, some kind of picture to go by as we talk about the framework of the tabernacle. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dearly Father, God, we love you. We thank you so much for every detail of Scripture. God, your word is loaded with truth in every corner, in every turn, in every jot and tittle is true. Father, I pray that as we look at this framework, Father, God, I pray that you would take us into areas of spiritual understanding. You don't just simply haphazardly go through the Scriptures and make commands and do things without a purpose. God, there's always a purpose. There's a thread through what you're doing in the Scripture. And I pray that you would help us to make proper application, draw proper New Testament truth from this Old Testament pattern. God, I pray you would teach us. Help us to understand the framework of our lives. Help us not to be, uh, to be shaken by this world, but strengthened, being able to bear the strong winds of trial and devastation that may blow our way by this framework that we see here in this tabernacle. God, whatever you do tonight, we'll give you glory and praise. Whoever is strengthened tonight, it won't be by my oratory ability, Father. It'll be by your spirit and by your word, making truth and applying it to the heart. God, if you strengthen someone here tonight, if you give them ability to go on another day, to hold tight, to firm up a portion of their tabernacle, oh God, we'll give you praise and glory for it. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. I remember when I was a child, we, we and me and some of the neighbor boys decided to camp out in the front yard. Now, we didn't have one of those nice, uh, nice pop-up pup tents, you know, that they have these days that they sell at Walmart. Only kind of tent we had was my dad's tent from the military in Vietnam. And it was not anything glamorous. It was basically an OD issue green canvas with certain stick 'em ups and it made a triangular tent that you could barely crawl under. Well, all us boys decided we were going to camp out one night, and so Dad took that tent, and he set it up in the yard. And I'll, I'll never forget, it had stakes on either side, and in the middle it had these, these uh, snapped-together poles that basically propped up the tent in the front yard. Well, us boys had a grand time late. It was prime time to stay up longer than way past any time we'd ever stayed up before. No parents around. They were all on the inside. So we was, we was just having a ball out there. We outlasted all the door cell batteries in our flashlight running around the yard goofing off and playing around that tent and, and inside the tent. And, and finally toward the end of the evening we got a little bit rambunctious and we got to scuffling and fighting inside that tent and whooping up on each other in that tent. Well, it wasn't long that we kicked over the props to that tent. And so the whole thing come crashing down. No flashlights. We didn't know how in the world Dad put that thing together. And so basically we resolved just to sleep under a big old canvas, stinky, smelly uh, canvas blanket that night and wait till morning because it was way too late to go in the house and tell Mom we'd been up all that time. And so we, we get to sleep under that tabernacle. Now, I didn't learn a whole lot about camping. Still don't know a whole lot about camping. I don't know a whole lot about tents. But I do know this from that experience. Structure in a tent is vitally important. 
It was not fun just to sleep under that stinky canvas all night. And just like, and here, here in our text, we've come to now, we've come to the tabernacle proper. The structure in which we'll find all of the other furnishings, the, 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 uh, the lampstand and the, and the altar of showbread and the altar of incense and the, and the veil and the, the mercy seat and the Ark of the Covenant, all these will be contained in what is called the tabernacle proper. That tent that is the focus of attention of all the work going on there in the tabernacle area. And so, like every tent where structure is important, just like my pup tent, this tent had to have a structure. It had to have some course kind of support. It had to have something that would hold up the tapestries and the coverings, which we'll look at next time. The tapestries and the coverings had to have something that would hold all of that up. And that's where we come to Exodus chapter number 26 and we see the details of the framework of this tabernacle. You see, it has to have a structure to stand up under. You know, Peter in chapter 2, and Peter in 2 Peter chapter number 1 spoke of his stay on earth as being under a tabernacle. What is essential? What is the essential structure that holds our spiritual tabernacle together. No, you don't live under a tent. But Peter talked of this life as being a tabernacle, being a time in a tabernacle. And we are on a sojourn. We're on a, we're on a spiritual journey. No, we're not, this world is not our home. We're just passing through. Our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. We're heading through this time in this life. And as a tabernacle, we need to have a structure, a place of security. And I believe that if we look at the structure of this tabernacle, of the tabernacle of Moses, we can see essential spiritual necessities that hold up our own spiritual life. So we're going to draw out truth that will be a framework for our fellowship with God, just like this tabernacle was. Are you with me so far? Let's look at the first thing. I started to title this instead of the framework of the tabernacle. I started to entitle it Bases, Boards, and Bindings. Because that's what we're looking at. Bases, Boards, and Bindings. The first thing I want you to see is the base of the tabernacle framework. The base of the tabernacle framework. Now any person that's built anything will tell you that the most essential and important portion of a structure is not the roof, it's not the doors or the windows or the hinges, it's not the framing on the house. What's the most important part? The foundation. If you don't have, Brother David, shake it up. Brother David's built a thing or two in the past. He knows that the foundation here, if it's not right, your building is never, never, never going to be right. And so this tabernacle itself had a foundation. Had a foundation. I want you to see first of all this base or this foundation. I want you to see a base of redemption. Look at verse number uh, 19. Verse number 19. And thou shalt make 40 sockets of silver under the 20 boards, two sockets under one board for his two tenons and two sockets under another board for his two tenons. Here we find that there's these sockets that are recorded. 
Our text reads that there would be created sockets of silver, large blocks of silver, which would receive, which would have receiver holes for the boards to lock into. So you imagine it yourself these large silver blocks that would sit underneath these boards. They would set them on the ground like footers. How many know what I say? What I mean, what I'm talking about when I say footers. Footers is where you dig a hole in the in the ground, and then you lay some maybe some boards down, and you pour a, a, a concrete block on the ground. That would be a footer. Well, these silver blocks acted like a footer for this tabernacle, and uh, it went all down down one side across the back and around towards the front. There wasn't any footers in the front of it. You had to be able to get in. And so on three sides, there would be these silver blocks or footers, we might call them. You know that in the Bible, silver is always a picture of redemption. Joseph was sold for silver. Jesus was sold for silver. It was a, it was a, a price of silver is that of redemption. In Exodus 30, 11 and through 16. Look at Exodus 30. And 11 through 16. I want you to see this really quickly. Exodus 30. Exodus 30. And look at verse number 11. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, When thou takest the sum of the children of Israel after their number, then shalt they give every man a ransom for his soul unto the Lord. And when thou numberest them, and there be no plague among them when thou numberest them. This shall they give every one that passeth among them that are numbered a half a shekel after the shekel of the sanctuary. A shekel is twenty gifts. And a, and a half a shekel shall be offered unto the Lord. Every one that passeth among them that are numbered from the twenty years old and above shall give an offering unto the Lord. The rich shall give no more, the poor shall give no less than half a shekel. And when they shall give an offering unto the Lord, that shall make atonement for his souls. And thou shalt take the atonement money of the children of Israel, and shalt appoint it for the service of the tabernacle congregation, that it may be a memorial unto the children of Israel before the Lord, and make an atonement for their souls. Many believe that this offering became these footers, that this atonement money, this silver shekels for the soul, became these blocks of redemption. You see, they were commanded to bring the atonement money for their souls, the poor as well as the wealthy, because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every person must be redeemed. God says that all souls are mine, and the soul that sinneth, it shall die. 1 Peter 1, uh, 1 Peter uh, 1, 18 through 21, we are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold with your vain conversation received by tradition of life, but with the precious blood of Christ. I'm making a bridge here. I'm going somewhere. If you take that Old Testament silver redemption, we find that the comparison in the New Testament is not silver and gold. I don't, you don't bring silver to me. You don't bring redemption money to me. You don't buy 
buy your redemption by your own means and your own hands and with your own medals and savings. It is bought by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Our redemption, the blood of Christ, is the standing currency, is the standard currency in heaven. 1 Corinthians 6.20 For ye are bought with the Christ, therefore glorify God in your body, which are God's. One author said, Calvary is the vein of silver to which we have access to the mighty, to, that we might have access and obtain the price of redemption. You see, Calvary is a vein of precious silver redemption. You think about all that money that was poured in there and all those shekels melted together to make this redemption. Every half a shekel that every young 20-year-old man threw in that fire was melted together to make one foundation. Oh, you think about the precious blood of Jesus Christ and how that each red drop that He shed had our redemption price in it, your redemption price, your redemption price, my redemption price in it. He paid the debt, the ransom debt for all mankind. Not only the base of redemption, I want you to see the base of reinforcement. Now, every board of the tabernacle was to be locked into two of the sockets. We read that several times. He kept saying it in the text. For every one board, there was two sockets. Now, as I've been talking about these sockets, how big do you think they are? Have you got a mental picture in your mind? I, I, I thought, you know, maybe a socket this big, something like that. But each of them, for what, what I can understand from the scriptures, is that one socket weighed approximately one talent that was made of about 3,000 shekels for one socket. One talent is 75 pounds. Well, 75.6 pounds. I like the point six. I'm an engineer. I have a hard time leaving it off because it's important. pounds per socket. Now you think about this. If we go in and calculate number of boards, number of sockets, two sockets per board, that makes 96 sockets, which makes 7,257 pounds. That ain't nothing to sneeze at right there. That is a hefty, the weight of them combined together was some 3.6 tons of silver for that little tabernacle. You think that's a firm foundation? 7,000 pounds of silver that that board holds, holds, uh, that those boards are held underneath by. It pales in comparison to the precious blood of Christ. No greater foundation can be laid than that which is laid in Christ Jesus. The boards themselves stood on that foundation, giving it a sturdy resting place. No, the boards didn't sink down in the sand. They stood flat-footed on a redemption price. They stood flat-footed on the silver of redemption, not the shifting sands of the desert floor. They stood squarely on redemption's price. 
Our faith is not mounted to the shifting sands of financial wealth or or physical health, but they rest firmly on the blood atonement of Jesus Christ. If you hang your salvation on anything less, it will not cut. It will not cut it. It'll fold. One breeze comes by in your life, it'll fold like a like a Barnum and Bailey tent that wasn't put up right. Oh, listen! The blood of Jesus Christ is the only foundation foundation and which you are to set your faith on nothing else if your faith is in a membership card it'll fold if your faith is in is in a, a, the works that you do a prayer that you pray it'll fold it must be in the precious blood of Jesus Christ I thought of that song, My Faith is Found, a resting place, not in device or creed. I trust the ever-living one. His wounds sh- wounds for me shall plead. I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that He died for me. That's the foundation we plant ourselves on as believers in Jesus Christ. The redemption price that Jesus paid on the cross. If your salvation, if your trust is in anything else, you have a false conversion. You have a false salvation. If your salvation rests upon the fact that you do this, that you say this, that you go this place, that you sit in this church, that you do this, it is a false, it's on quicksand that will, that will blow away in the day of judgment. It is only the blood of Jesus Christ that is our redemption, that which we stand upon. The base of reinforcement, the strength that we have in our Christian life comes not from the day-to-day blessings or battles that we find. I mean, you, you, if it's that, that's the case, you're saved one day and lost the next and saved another day and lost the next. If it's everything that this world has to throw at us, we'll be more off than on when it comes to salvation. But if it rests squarely on what Jesus did on that cross and nothing else, no matter what happens in my life, no matter matter my health, no matter my bank account, no matter my spiritual status, or no matter my, my children's status, my family status, it rests squarely on Jesus Christ's blood on the cross. The base of the tabernacle, so important. Notice second of all, not only the base of the tabernacle or the base of the tabernacle framework, framework, but I want you to see the boards of the tabernacle. My old boss, he used to tell the story about when he was a young man. His dad told him to go clean out a barn and to burn some wood and get rid of some stuff out of a barn. Well, he went in that barn and was looking for stuff to clean out and throw away and he saw this big stack of boards over against one side of the wall. And so he pulled them boards out and started burning them, just get rid of that stuff, make some room out. His dad come out and pitched a fit. He had been burning aged walnut boards. Long walnut boards. Now, you, I heard what you said. Walnut is expensive. Walnut is precious. It's not a board you just want to throw on the fire on a, on a cold night. But see, these boards that they're talking about here are far, far more valuable than any kind of walnut board you can find in an old barn. I want you to see, first of all, 
in these boards of the tabernacle framework. I want you to see a, a total. I think there's five things. Real quick, five things. I want you to see a sketch of these boards. Notice in verse Notice in verse number, I think it's 15. In verse number 15, yeah, 15. And thou shalt make boards for the tabernacle of Shittim wood. Shittim wood. These boards are a beautiful sketch of both the Savior and the saint. Shittim wood speaks of Jesus' righteousness. He is the righteous branch, as Zechariah says. In Isaiah, it talks about how he was cut off. In order for that board to be put in this tabernacle, it had to be cut off from its roots. It had to be cut off from the ground. Jesus Christ is is cut off from the land of the living on the cross of Calvary. It's from a root out of dry ground. If you remember what I said about this shittim wood, it grew hard, gnarly wood out in that desert climate where it was hard. It was a root out of dry ground. It was incorruptible wood. The reason God asked that it be made out of that shittim wood, many believe, is because of its durability. That wood would last and last and last. It wouldn't rot. It wouldn't go away. You see, it speaks of the incorruptible nature of Christ. It also typifies the saint. The saint is, the saint is redeemed humanity. It is a humanity that's been cut off from the world and brought into the service of God from a former life. And we are shaped into these boards and molded and shaped to fit together in one tabernacle, one habitation for the Spirit of God. The sketch of these boards. Notice also, not only the sketch of the boards, but the standing of the boards. Look at verse number 15, the last two words, standing up. So here we see these boards, these shittim wood boards, and how that they're supposed to be Planted in those sockets to be standing upright in the tabernacle. You got your little sketch, you're getting a little picture there. How that each individual board is to stand upright in its place. Each board was to be stood upright before the Lord. The Bible promises that the upright, listen to this. In Psalms 140 verse 13, I love this comparison. The Bible promises that the upright shall dwell in the presence of the Lord. You know where these boards are going to be? <laughs> They're going to be all the way around that holy place. You can't get a better seat in the tabernacle than where that board is. Right up close to God. Right in fellowship with God. Right in the place of God's dwelling. Oh, they should, the upright shall, shall, uh, uh, shall, enjoy, uh, shall, uh, shall dwell in the presence of the Lord. The Apostle Paul also tells us that having done all in Ephesians 6.13, we are to what? Stand. Having done all to stand. Galatians 5 1 said, Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free and be not entangled with the, again with the yoke of bondage. Talks about our standing before the Lord. How we are to stand upright before this world. Not only our standing of the boards and the sketch of the boards, but I want you to see the sizing of the boards. Sizing. Look at verse number 16. Ten cubits shall be the length of a board, and a cubit and a half shall be the breadth of a board. So let's get the picture of the sizing of these boards. God said they have to be a certain size. No more, no less, have to be a certain size. That certain size was 10 cubits. That's approximately 15 feet tall. And the board itself was approximately 27, or 20, not 27 feet, 27 inches wide. 
So it's not your common, you can't go down to Clark's, or y'all don't know who Clark's is. Clark's is, is in Trenton. You can't go down to Ace Hardware and grab you a 27-inch wide board. It's not going to have it. But it is a wider board. It's, it's 27 inches wide. Now, each board, under God's command, had to measure up to a divine standard in order to qualify in the tabernacle. Had to be a certain length. Had to be a certain width. It couldn't, it couldn't take any substitute of anything less. Listen, there is only one standard by which every believer is to meet. Ephesians 4.13, listen to what it says. Till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of God, the Son unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. You see, the church is plagued with this, that we measure each other by each other. That's not what we measure each other by. We measure ourselves by Christ Himself. And you say, well, Brother Ronnie, I don't measure up. I, don't, I, I am no way Jesus. I'm not there. Me too. I'm with you. But in Christ, in Christ Jesus, in the eyes of the Holy God, what did He say in Ephesians chapter 2? That we're already seated in the heavenlies at the, with the Father. That we're as good as there in the eyes of God. You see, I don't meet up your right, practically speaking. But in the eyes of a holy God, you measure up. What is it God's goal? It's to bring us into the conformity of Jesus Christ. He's working on you. He is molding and shaping you and cleansing you by the washing of the water of the Word to present you a spotless bride unto Jesus Christ. You see, these boards have a sizing. Not only the board sizing, but I want you to see the board setting. The board setting. Look at verse number 17. Two tenons shall there be in one board, set in order one against another. Thus shalt thou make for all the boards of the tabernacle. Two tenons. Now, what's this about? Tenons are a Hebrew word that actually literally means hands. So you think of this board, 27 inches wide, 15 feet high, and on the end of it, two hands sticking out. Or two pegs, two feet. Uh, you could, you could uh, see it this way as two extensions, two pegs that come out from the bottom of that board. Where do those pegs go? What do we say the sockets were for? Sockets had a hole. One hole for one tenon, one hole for another tenon, two blocks side by side. They took that large uh, large plank and they put tenon in this hole and tenon in that hole. And it stabilized, it held up that board. You say, well, that's all fine and good. What does that mean? Well, look, look notice this. I believe we can draw, uh, uh, draw truth from this. The tenons speak of two foundational facts that hold together our fellowship with each other and with God. What are those two facts? The death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. For I delivered unto you First, that which was also I received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures and was buried and rose again on the third day according to the Scriptures. Two facts. He was dead and He is alive. They are the cornerstone of apostolic preaching. What have we been hearing Peter say on Sunday morning? Jesus died with wicked hands you crucified Him and He was raised from the dead. These are the centerpieces of our faith and grounds us into the redemption, the redemption that Jesus Christ made. 
Both facts are essential to our redemption and fellowship with God and with each other. One author said we are saved by His saving life and His saving death and His saving life. Both of us, both of them save us. His death and His life. The setting of these boards. They were set on those sockets of silver. And then finally I want you to see the ceiling of these boards. Turn over to verse uh, 29. Verse 29. And thou shalt overlay the boards with gold and make the rings of gold for places for the bars and thou shalt overlay the bars with gold. But notice that he said that these acacia wood or shittim wood boards, those hard boards were to be immersed, to be sealed with gold. Gold always speaks of the divine. So now when we have a finished board, what does it picture for us? What does this ceiling of the board represent and speak to us about? It speaks to us about Jesus, who was not only human in the wood, He was not only man in flesh from this earth, made in the likeness of sinful man, but He was also divine. Gold speaks to the divinity of God. He is the God-man. 1 Timothy 2, 5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. But for the believer as well, it also represents that we are in Christ. We are in Christ. By virtue of the sealing of the Spirit of God, we are sealed unto the day of redemption. We are secured in Him. Second Peter 1.4 says that we are the partakers of the divine nature. You realize that you fit the same category as Jesus does, does as well? That you are flesh and also possessing a divine nature by virtue of the grace of Jesus Christ. You're a partaker of the divine nature. You say, how do I know that? Because you love God's Word. Oh, listen, no man of the world, no, no man of the world loves the Word of God. What does Peter say? As, the, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, so do we. We, we, we desire the sincere milk of God's Word. That doesn't come. That doesn't come from this world. We long to love and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't come from this world. That's not part of your nature. It's part of that divine nature that God gives us when we come into Him, the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God. See, that wasn't that hard. That was five points, and I went through that pretty quick. Notice the last one. We see not only the base of the tabernacle and the boards of the tabernacle framework, but I want you to see finally the binding of the tabernacle framework. We read in verse 29, there's something else going on there. talks about rings and talks about bars. I've loved this study on the framework because it's so logical, man. I mean, like Bill said, you know, I, I'd have done a little better if I'd have drawn it out. But I'd, like to, I'd have liked to have uh, modeled it up in 3D. God's so mechanical here. God's so, he's got, uh, he's got dowels and pins and putting this thing together. And he's, 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 uh, he's got a perfect design for these buildings. Think of all, think of all 48 boards. All right, let's just do it this way. Think of all 48 boards. Boards about this wide, 15 foot high. You put them in those sockets, one right after another, after another, 20 on one side, 20 on another, another side, having those boards, you got all those boards lined up. Now take your hand mentally and go over there and push one. 
What's it going to do? I mean, no matter how tight that tolerance is, Bill, it's going it's to do this a little bit, isn't it? So something else has to bind them together. Because see, listen, when that Arabian wind comes blowing through there with all those canvases on it, it's going to have a tendency to want to blow that thing down. Something else has got to bind it together. God, the amazing engineer that He is, designs a binding function for these. Notice in verse number 26. Go back to verse number 26. And thou shalt make bars of shittim wood, five for the boards on the one side of the tabernacle, five bars for the boards on the other side of the tabernacle, and five bars bars for the boards on the side of the tabernacle and for the two sides westward. What is he talking about here? He's talking about these large poles that would be used to bind it together. God designed that on each wall of the structure there would be these bars of shittim wood. If you've got your diagram there, you can see that line down each side. He talks about how that in verse 28, the middle bar in the midst of the board shall reach from one end to the other. That's why you see in the middle of those bars, there's a bar that goes from one end all the way to the other to bind it together. And then there's a one that goes halfway on the top, one that goes halfway on the bottom. That's what is reflected here in the language. A binding design. You see, these would bind the structure together against the desert wind. These five bars speak to us of the ministry of the ascended Lord through the Spirit of God in the church. What did it say in the Bible? It said that He gave them apostles. He gave them prophets. He gave them evangelists, pastors, and teachers. He is talking about the ministry of God by the Spirit in the church. You see, it's what binds us together. These these gifts of God, this foundation of the apostles and the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, they hold the church together. They establish the church together. These are responsible for holding the church together in doctrine as the church of the living God. What does Ephesians 2.20 and 2.22 say? And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ Himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. Boy, it almost makes you think of the tabernacle, doesn't it? All these things binding together to make a holy temple unto the Lord in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. My, what a description of this framework of the tabernacle. How that we are bound together by the Spirit of God to make this house, dwelling place of God. That's the binding's designation. God said, I want bars. But I want you to see the binding's design. All right? You got this long bar. How in the world are you going to attach it to these boards? Well, notice what it said in verse in, in verse number 29. 29. Thou shalt... Whoop, 26, 29. Thou shalt overlay the boards with gold and make their rings of gold for places for the bars. Oh, something new. 
those boards had in them, I don't know if it, maybe the gold was soldered these rings into place and mounted to the back of these boards would be these rings. I don't exactly know how it's done. But to these boards were a series of rings. And these, these, uh, these uh, uh, bars would slide through those rings and latch on the ends and making it strong. That's how they were mounted to the boards. You see, these bars would pass through the fastener, uh, uh, pass through and fasten to these rings. You know, it mentions those rings. Rings in the Bible, a circle in the Bible, often speaks of God's eternality. God is eternal. God has established an everlasting covenant with His redeemed people. Hebrews 13, 20, Now the God of peace that bought you again from the dead, uh, our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of, of, the, of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. God has broke, has bartered, has made an everlasting covenant with His people. And I believe that's symbolized in those rings. Now the God of peace. And these bars, they pass through these rings to bind the building together. What a picture of Jesus. Remember in Revelation chapter number 1, when you think of Jesus, or when you picture Jesus in Revelation chapter 1, what does the Bible say He's doing? That He's walking what? Among the candlesticks. That He's walking in and out of the churches. Do you realize that Jesus Christ is walking in and out of among us today? Just like that bar that passes through those rings, God walks through and about His covenant people. He walks in and out of our lives, in and out of our churches. He is with us and walking and interacting with us. And more than likely, more than likely, if you've got, now think about it, you see your diagram, there were five poles, one, two, three, four, five down the middle. And these poles had to be placed in which they bind the boards together. It makes you think then, if you look at that diagram, it's logical to conclude this, that each board had how many rings? One, two, three. For the pole to slide through. One for the middle one, one for the upper one, and the lower one. One for the middle one to go all the way across. I may be reaching a little bit here. I don't, don't, don't put it in stone. But likely these three rings that pass through may represent what 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says. And now about a faith, hope, and charity. These three. and But the greatest of these is charity. What binds us together as a body of believers? When you've seen, when you've seen a church fizzle and flop, it's usually because that bond of love and charity has been broken. Oh, I believe that faith in the Lord Jesus, hope of His return, love for the brethren is what binds us together as a people. All these individual boards are bound together by those rings, faith, hope, and love. The whole enclosing, the whole framework of bases, boards, and bindings were linked together to form what? The habitation of God. How is the framework in your heart is the question tonight. Do you have your feet solidly planted 
on the redemption blood of Jesus Christ? Are you linked to those in this church by the binding of love and faith and hope in Jesus Christ? Is that what binds us together? Are we separated out as a people that are measured against Christ? Or do we go around measuring one another? Oh, listen. There's a lot in this framework that we could really inspect our hearts against. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's all stand as we come to a moment of invitation. Elvis, every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for the picture that you give us in this framework. God, there were a lot of details and and some of the things I wasn't even able to touch on. But God, that building was formed by you. It was all your sovereign design, a design given from heaven. God, we want that design in our life, in our spiritual walk. We want to be grounded in the truth of your redemption. We want to be standing on two facts, your death and your resurrection. Father, we want to be bound together by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the teaching of your word. Bind us together in faith, hope, and love. Oh God, God, we pray that you would make application where applications do. God, I pray that I haven't taken liberties with the Scripture, but I've taken the shadows of an Old Testament passage and tied them with the person and the work of Jesus in the New Testament. God, I pray you'd strengthen our hearts by this. God, I pray that you'd deal with us in the area of sin. God, help us to live pure lives. Help us to live lives that are separated from this world, that face an upright, uh, an upright position before God. Oh God, just have your will and way in this invitation. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen. This is one of those type of messages that got a, a shotgun effect. It hits a lot of different things. Maybe God spoke to you about a certain area that needs to be taken care of. Maybe you haven't been firmly rooted in the redemption in Jesus Christ. Maybe you've been looking at your life and thinking, am I even a child of God? Everything in the world is cut loose on me. What's going on here? You got your foundation wrong. It needs to be planted in the blood of Jesus. Nothing more, nothing less. Maybe it's a love problem for those around you. Maybe it's a, a, a doctrine problem. You haven't allowed, you have rejected the word that has been preached from this pulpit. I'm not the greatest preacher in the world, world, but I do my best to bring you the word of God and what it says. And you've rejected that. Oh, listen, that's shaky ground for any believer to be on. Oh, listen, are you firmly fitted together in this tabernacle in which we walk this world I'm trusting to the unseen hand. We hope and pray that today's episode of the Unseen Hand podcast has been a help and blessing to you. For more information such as other podcasts, ministry helps, blog posts, previous sermons, or how to contact Brother Brown directly, just go to RonnieBrown.net. Join us next time for another message from Brother Ronnie on the Unseen Hand podcast. Until then, may God's unseen hand gently guide you on your journey home. The Unseen Hand.